KYW Original Podcasts. This is KYW In-Depth. My name is Matt Leon. We are in the midst of a moment of intense discussion about the future of policing in America. What will it look like? What concepts should be focused on? Now, one thing we have heard a lot of discussion about is the idea of community policing. Now, it is by no means a new idea, but really, what is it? We wanted to find out and get more information on the concept of community policing, so we reached out and had a discussion with Dr. Brian Wyant. He is an associate professor of sociology and criminal justice at LaSalle University. Really interesting stuff. Give a listen. So let's kind of start with the concept. How would you describe the idea, the concept of community policing? Well, to understand community policing, you have to kind of understand the context where it came from. So it really kind of birthed out of the 60s, and there was a lot of civil unrest. Police were seen as kind of an occupying force, and there was a real disconnect between the community, particularly communities of color, and the police. And so they had to figure out a way, how can we bridge that gap? And at the same time, policing became very reliant on the 911 system. So we thought 911 would be this great thing that's going to help police get there faster, and to an extent that's true, but what it also did is it made police very reactive. So police were getting a long list of calls. They're going call to call. They're chasing the call. And it's, again, it's very reactive, so it's not very preventative. So out of this, they said, let's try something different. So community policing is really you're reorienting the patrol, okay? You're asking the police and citizens to kind of join together. They're going to be partners in both identifying and then addressing the issues that are most important to this community. So while you might think it's going to be, you know, serious violence, many communities, part of the problems could be, you know, prostitution or kind of general disorder, people throwing trash around, and they those things identified. So part of what they'll do, too, is something called, as part of community police, is problem-oriented policing, where you're going to bring in other agencies and try to be more preventative. So if there's a bar that's causing a lot of nuisance, you can call L&I, and instead of, you know, responding every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night to a, um, you know, 911 call saying, hey, there's been another fight outside that bar, the community can identify that, the police can help work with the community and these other agencies and maybe prevent that from happening in the first place. So you talk about the concept coming out of the 60s. Where are we now as far as its prevalence? Because that sounds, that doesn't sound like what you hear in a lot of American cities and towns. So it really started to ramp up in the 90s. So it kind of had, you know, places started uh, implementing the 60s, what they call little substations. So put a little police kind of booth in these areas and maybe that little connection. But then by the 90s, um, it really started to ramp up and you started to see a lot of funding going towards um, community policing programs. And at the same time, if we look at crime and understand crime, crime was going up in the 60s, going up in the 70s, going up in the 80s, really peaked in the 90s. And so that's why they wanted to try something different. And that's kind of when, you know, we really saw community police kind of take a foothold. Now, you asked a good question. You said, well, if we've been doing this since the 60s and then it really ramped up in the 90s, what are we doing today? Well, even when we implement community policing, it's kind of a question is if, if people really take it seriously because police don't always kind of love this idea of it doesn't seem like real police work. It's not catching the bad guy necessarily. As, um, you know, and there's in the 90s even kind of pejorative term, they said, oh, this is like hug a thug. So while police departments may kind of try this, and some have done a better job than others, and we're talking about police departments, there's uh, 18,000 different police departments, so it's, it's hard to talk about kind of 
what police are doing. But some of them have done better than others. But I think some departments are going to embrace it. And even if the ones that say they're going to embrace it, you really need buy-in from the officers on the ground. And if they really see this as real policing versus getting a gun off the street. And that's where I think some departments are deficient in kind of applying it or implementing it to be successful. Given our current moment, and there are a lot of parallels with things from the 60s, could you see a real push for more departments to go in this direction, not just in, in lip service, but in actual action? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, some departments do this. So if you look at Philadelphia's website, and I've worked with them a little bit in terms of just knowing some of their officers, and, you know, they do have programs where they're doing, you know, community relations divisions, uh, community engagement divisions. They talk about substance abuse. Um, they especially in Southwest, they have a division about community engagement. I do think, though, when there is unrest, it's kind of like we're, you know, reliving the, the 60s again in some ways, you're going to hear more talk about this. And and I remembered, uh, especially after Ferguson, so in summer of 2014, when Michael Brown was uh, shot and killed by Officer Darren Wilson, I heard a lot of talk about maybe we need to return to community policing. And I think sometimes we romanticize it, um, that, you know, that I think I'm a proponent of it. I think when it's implemented, well, there are benefits to it. But so, so to answer your question, I think we will go towards that. You'll hear that. But also what we're talking about now a little bit in policing is maybe having some of those things that police do in the community. There's talk about maybe having other organizations do some of those, implement some of those policies or programs that there can be crime prevention or that are kind of non-police related is where some of this talk has kind of shifted, maybe then from community policing a little bit. And that kind of, in talking with other people, is that kind of one of the problems you think that's gotten to us to where we are is that in a lot of communities, police have just become, we throw everything in the police bucket, homeless, you know, nuisance calls, all these types of things, even domestic situations, mental health situations. Uh, we kind of throw it all in the bucket and it makes the job infinitely harder. Wouldn't we be better served to have people more, a more diverse group of, of people on hand to, to deal with certain aspects of, of city and community life? Yeah, Matt, you're absolutely right that the police are one of the few organizations that still make house calls. They're still, they're one of the only organizations that are around uh, 24 hours a day, 365 days a week. And as we've uh, reduced services, especially in the most disadvantaged communities, the police have become a catch-all for, um, as you said, uh, runaway teen to gun violence to suicidal person um, to someone you know experiencing a mental illness episode. And um, so, when the police—that's that's a lot of hats. And so, we want to say, are they the best you know trained to do that? Did they get into the profession? I think while they get into the profession to help. There's also, you know, I mean, they're agents of social control, and there's a saying, you know, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so there's a question if the police can, you know, should be handling all these things, but it has fallen to them, and are they the best kind of trained to do it? Um, and I think that's that's a debate we've been having for some lo- a long time, but I also think that it's getting worse as more kind of things fall to the police, um, that they're somewhat overwhelmed, and I think also they are not just overwhelmed, but they're being asked to do maybe too many things. We have kind of unreal, unrealistic expectations. Is one of the, and I put problems in air quotes, but 
one of the reasons why there's pushback against the idea of community policing is it's almost, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I almost look at it as under the umbrella of the concept of public health. The better your public health department is, the less people think they need it because things are going well and they're healthy and it's impossible to prove a negative. Community policing, if more involved, it's, you know, people don't think because there's not arrests and stuff like that, they, they don't necessarily know that it's working and it's harder to, to prove. Am I making sense with that analogy? No, no, I think, I, I think I'm following you. So um, when community police was implemented in the 90s, as I said, crime was at its peak. So it's implemented and crime goes down. So in some ways you might say, oh, well, community policing is working great. It's hard to kind of say if community policing was the reason crime went down. There are other things that it did do. People were... Um, there's more legitimacy with the police, so they thought they were, in a sense, kind of more fair. That's a great outcome. People felt police performance was good. That's a good outcome. But in terms of if it reduced crime, you know, they put more money towards police departments, and maybe it reduced crime, but, you know, that, I'd say that's, that's less conclusive. So what's the best use of a resource? And, and I am for community policing, but it's also a really hard decision to make. Right now, Philadelphia is on pace for 400 murders for the year. And is it going to be the trade-off? Is it going to be better to take these officers uh, off regular patrol and put them in the you know community-oriented kind of position? Now, I think there's value in that, but I also understand the decision where if you're having you know for averaging over a person being killed a day, um, the immediacy of that might say, well, we're going to keep kind of things how they are because we got to get this under control. Would the concept of community policing would it be cheaper? from a funding standpoint, or in most cases, would it be pretty much the same, just those resources are deployed in different directions? I think it could be cheaper if police officers, and it really varies by place, but if you hire a police officer who is a foreign police officer, that's generally more expensive than it is a non-foreign personnel who's in the police department. So you could imagine some of the functions that police do or some of the roles with engagement could probably be done by non-sworn personnel. In a sense, you could save money doing that. You know, doing um, focusing on that. But you know, even with this idea of having other agencies take some of these kind of crime prevention uh, initiatives or preventative initiatives, it has to make sure that the money actually goes there. So it's one thing to say, well, we're going to not fund the police as much and make sure these other organizations are doing it. But I'm always skeptical until I know that money is actually really going to these other organizations. And that's where I'm worried, you know, if that will actually happen. Are there any specific cities in the country or in the area that are really good examples of, of utilizing community policing uh, at this, at, in this day and time? Well, I think, you know, it's hard to say that there's so many different police departments. So you're hearing a lot about Camden right now made some uh, efforts, but about community policing, I, I, I don't know if I'd say they're a, a, a national leader in it or, or you know, Philadelphia has made strides. Um, it's normally going to be community policing is going to be a subset of the larger kind of actions that they're doing. Um, and sometimes, even if they do say, "Hey, we're going to do, we're going to focus on community policing," again, if the if it's not bought in by the kind of men and women on the ground, if they don't kind of value it, then it kind of doesn't matter. So. You could say a police department is saying, hey, we're engaging in policing. They may be, you know, lip service, and they may they, they have some officers who really care about it, but 
as an organization, um, do they really value it? Is that are the officers who's doing community policing are they going to be kind of recognized and promoted, or is the officer who does the more kind of traditional policeman and makes a you know what they call like a good arrest, uh, an arrest for serious crime? Is that going to be recognized? So, you know, I, I would say there was more focus on it in the '90s as crimes that was going up. I think there are other strategies too that you can work with with community policing. There's something called like evidence-based policing where you kind of focus on what what the science says works best for reducing crime. I'd say departments that have had improved their relationship with their community probably really do value community policing um, or their officers have bought in. And the ones that give lip service, you still see this divide, um, this kind of us versus them mentality that uh, still exists in, in many places. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.